scripture reading for this morning. It's going to be Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. If you'll read with me, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It has been good to be with you this weekend. We had an excellent digital parenting workshop uh, yesterday morning. And they, can you believe that they stayed with me? Most of them stayed with me for three hours and let me talk to them about digital parenting. It was wonderful uh, yesterday morning to be with you. And I have enjoyed being here this weekend and I'll enjoy being here this morning as well. I hope you'll keep your Bibles open to Romans chapter 12. We'll be referencing that scripture among others here in just a moment. But we are talking this morning about protecting our families in today's digital world. Albert Moeller is an author and writer and he said this in 2013. The digital age is upon us. In the span of less than three decades, we have redefined the way that humans communicate, entertain, inform, research, create, and that last one is very important, connect. And what we know now is only a hint of what is to come. I think when he said that 10 years ago, it's as ever uh, truthful as it was 10 years ago as it is today. And for the past nine years or so, I have been blessed to be able to go uh, in lots of different places and talk and conduct my digital parenting workshops and encourage and enlighten parents to be as creative and as inventive as they can with their digital parenting. And as I've, as I've found, it's about the mindset of the parent rather than the actual tools and the apps and the services that we would use to keep our children safe. When we're really talking about digital parenting, it comes down to parenting first. Moeller is correct. If you think about 30 years ago, just 30 years ago, 1993, 30 years ago is ancient history in technology compared to today, is it not? I'll be 42 in a month. Now, if you walk that backwards, that means I was in high school in the late 1990s, just when this new thing called the internet was coming of age. It was really hitting it big. I was part of a unique generation, and there's some here today. There was a lot at our workshop yesterday. Part of a unique generation that grew up without the internet, without these mobile devices, without this technology, but yet we came into it later in life. We didn't grow up with it as little kids, but we grew into it. And so if you're in your late 40s right now, you grew up past it. It was a little bit past here. If you're 35 or below, this technology that we have in our hands today seems right at home with you. In 1995, we were just beginning to see personal computers in homes. The internet, again, was hitting it pretty big. The internet wouldn't hit it big for another couple of years. Things like Facebook 
was still a decade off. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram weren't even really conceived of yet. But if you fast forward just halfway from that point to 2010, think about what changed between 1995 and 2010. The iPhone was released in 2007. It changed everything. It changed the way that we communicate. Everybody copied it. And now we have a sea of black rectangles when you walk into a cell phone store and everybody has something in their pockets that is constantly connected today. It has become so ubiquitous that we can't imagine life without it. Television and radio back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s took 10 times as long for it to be so widely adopted. Now you think about that. Think about your kids now and your grandkids. Whether they're 4 years old, 14, or 24, safe to say if they're under 24 years old, they have grown up in an entirely different technological world than we did, anybody previously to that age. They will have never known the world without things like Netflix or YouTube. They will never have to run home to record something because they forgot to set the VCR, right? They will never have to do those things. They will never understand not being able to listen to every genre of every kind of music at the touch of your fingertips. This generation of kids, though, they have a lot more pressure and a lot more noise to deal with than we ever had to. And I don't want you to make the mistake in saying the temptations are different. The temptations are the same. The temptations are the same. The same as they were back when Jesus was walking the earth. The only thing that has changed is the access, the fact that we can reach inside of our pockets and we can pull those devices out and access the wealth of all human knowledge. These digital devices are incredible. They're wonderful for productivity, for communication, for entertainment. But they also come with a lot of peer pressure and a lot of things added on to that, like no generation of parents and no generation of kids has seen before that. You know, I think about bullying. When I was bullied as a small kid, bullying stopped when I got off the bus. But nowadays, it never stops. It's always there on that screen and on that phone. Now it continues. There's that constant pressure that we never had to deal with. And we are connected by social networks. We're connected by 24-hour news services. Yet some, in some ways, we are farther apart than ever. The church is the only connection. What Albert Moeller said about it is redefine the way that we connect. The church that Jesus Christ built and died for is the only thing that can provide that kind of true connection. Amen? So as we look at digital parenting this morning and keeping your families safe in the digital space, I've got just a few ideas that maybe, and scriptures that we can look at that maybe will help you along their way to equip your families, to equip your grandchildren and your children for this digital world that we're talking about. The first point this morning, and again, I think about a couple of pictures. Look at how far we've come, right? Just 30 years ago iPhone, and then we've got, of course, VCRs. All this technology might as well be ancient history to us, right? 
And that church is the only connection that we have. First thing I want to talk about this morning is talk very, talk often to your children about the importance of truth. Truth has always been important, but it's never been as important as it is now. And what we see on our screens needs to pass the test. It needs to constantly be tested. Paul told the Thessalonian church to, what did he say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21? He said to test everything and hold fast to what is good. Well, why did he say this? Well, he said this in relation to a bunch of prophecies that had been spouted off that didn't have any kind of truth behind them. Does that sound familiar to us? Does that sound familiar to us all the time telling our kids and our grandkids, don't believe everything you see on the internet? And we even joke sometimes and say, well, if it's on the internet, it must be true, right? But at the same time, we need to be facing that. Our kids are growing up in this digital world. They first need to be taught the truth. That happens in your home first. That happens here at the Katy Church. That happens in your Bible classes. I got to sit in your wonderful auditorium Bible class this morning. The truth is being taught. So there's no fear of that. But they need to be taught the truth about our homes, our churches, our world, and everything in between. Don't let the primary influencer of your child be a screen. We need to think about what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. We need to test everything like it says at the end of that scripture, just like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. But also, we need to look at and see about, don't let the, it literally is saying, don't conform to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. You, you, don't, you don't need to let the world do that. We are the ones as parents and as grandparents and as mentors we are the ones molding our children. We are the ones who have an everyday constant influence on them. And the only thing that really competes with us is those screens most of the time. Your children will be products of their environment. They will grow up to build homes a lot like the homes that they're living in right now. Your influence will impact your child's life. In turn, it will impact their digital well-being more than any other single factor in their childhood. And I don't mean to keep stepping on toes, but parents, I want you to hear me on this. This is one of those things that we've got to get right. There is the, the stakes are so high for our children to be taught the truth. We have to get it right. Our future, our family's future, our church's future depends on it. Jesus in Matthew 18 he got frustrated. You can just hear the frustration in his voice in Matthew 18 when some of the disciples come and they ask him, well, who was the greatest? Who, hey, Jesus, tell us who the greatest is so we can settle this argument. And they were missing the point, obviously. And Jesus, being the master illustrator, the master teacher, he, he pulls these child, he saw these children nearby, and he pulls one to him and he says, if you don't humble yourselves like this child... You'll be the, if you do that, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But if you cause one of these little ones to sin, if you draw them into sin, it's going to be better for you to hang a concrete block around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the ocean. Jesus was serious. And his grim reminder to us, I think, is that we cannot fail at leading our children to the truth. And that truth being embodied in Jesus Christ. 
If we put that priority first, if we put it above school, career, if we put it above ball, if we put it above extracurriculars, if we put it above activities, there's a lot of things that are going to fall into place for us and will naturally take care of themselves. Along those same lines, I think us as parents, we need to stop blaming the technology. Can we blame the technology to a certain extent? Absolutely. I have a whole series of lessons and classes on the addiction mindset that these companies peddle and that, we, that they addict us day in and day out. But there is no substitute, even when this addictive technology is in our children's hands and in our hands as adults as well, there is no substitute for your good, godly parenting. Digital parenting is less about the technology, and it's more about your parenting of that technology. We can, to a point, blame that technology for being so addictive, yes. But the Bible says, obviously, in those passages that we we know very well, Proverbs 22, verse 6, to train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy 6 4 through 6, the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and talk about it. And when you're walking down the way, all these different things, talk about these things and, and stop blaming this technology. I don't know if you're familiar with Lonnie Jones. Lonnie Jones was my youth minister growing up at the Maysville Church in North Alabama. And Lonnie Jones uses the phrase, we need to develop spiritually self-reliant young people. That's what we want. We want children who are knowledgeable, yes. We want children who are baptized, Christians, obviously, yes. But most importantly, we want children that love the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, is what Jesus said. Seek first. If we place too much importance on other things, good grades, school, all those things important, all those things worthy of being involved with, but if we delegate and put Christ down the list, we should not expect to blame the technology when we have kids that don't turn out to love the Lord and His church. The third thing this morning, and this is a thing that we talked a lot about yesterday, is to have a plan. For parents and grandparents alike, if your kids come over to your house Anytime, and you have the internet at your home and they have devices in your home, then you need to be prepared for this as well. But really, talking to the parents here, I cannot overemphasize the idea of having a plan enough. Uh, we've heard the phrase, a failure to plan is a plan to fail. I highly doubt that I'm looking at a crowd of adults that are not saving for your kid's college, that are not contributing to your retirement, that have not invested things so that you can live later in life. We prepare for those things because we plan for those things. We need to be planning for our digital parenting plan as well for our kids in every stage of life that they have. Why would you not have a plan for your child's digital development? My son is on the autism spectrum, my oldest son. He's in middle school, he's in sixth grade. And in Tennessee, they have something that we sit down twice a year. We go over his IEP, his Individualized Education Plan. And they don't do this for every child, but they do it for a lot of children who have different special needs, like my son. And I thought about this and I thought, well, maybe we need something called a digital parenting plan. 
Because every child is different. And I joked yesterday, I said, if somebody would have told me that my three boys would have been completely different people, not even anywhere near the same, that would have been really, really helpful if somebody would have told me that. Right? And likewise, they're going to have different struggles. And so that's why on the screen here, I've got something that you can go to. I I put this in the workshop yesterday in many different places, but you'll find a lot of resources on my resources page on my website. But there's something called the digital parenting plan. And there's also something called the digital home audit. And this is something where you can go and you can actually look at and uh, figure out what devices are in your home and then figure out what parental controls they have set. I do that twice a year. You would actually not believe. I find something that I have, a device that I had forgotten about every time I do it. And so again, when you do that audit and you have that plan, now you have a foundation of something to move forward on. And so it gives you kind of a starting point. And when we think about that, you and your child, do not underestimate the importance of going through this plan with your children. And you'll have to change the plan. You'll have to modify it. You'll have to enact discipline. And sometimes you'll have to talk to your kids about it. But that's the most important thing is talk to your children about this. Talk to them about how social media works. Talk to them about when they get a phone and when they get that phone taken away or those privileges taken away. Talk to them about what kind of disciplinary measures are going to be taken when they violate those rules. Talk about those things. Proverbs 29, 15, we, we zero in on the first half of that verse. The rod of reproof give wisdom, right? Discipline, right? We zoom in on that. But the second part of that verse says, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. We cannot neglect the opportunity to instruct our children. So have a plan. This is the resources page, just a screenshot there. You can find some helpful links. If you have something helpful, please get in touch. I'm always building this page out, and this page has a lot of good resources already, but I'm always looking for more on that. In the next place, I would encourage you to fight fire with fire. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, the very thing that we're trying to do with our digital parenting is protect our children. We don't need to look any further than the device we already all have. YouTube and Google can be powerful tools for us. The resources that you'll find on my digital parenting website, among many, many others, can be incredibly helpful. Um, These are all sorts of tools that we can use to help us with various issues. And knowledge, really, in this case, is power. In this day and age... And I used this example yesterday. In this day and age, none of us, and I do mean none of us, can say, well, I didn't know it did that. Well, I didn't know that app did that. I didn't know it deleted messages after. I didn't know she or he was on this app. I didn't know they had an account. It doesn't matter. It is our job as parents to be protectors. Because knowledge is out there and it is accessible. There are people out there to help. We joked around yesterday at the workshop that nerds are a blessing. And find you a nerd that knows some of this stuff or find you somebody that's knowledgeable of these things and ask them whatever questions you have. We cannot demand that our children be perfect. We can't even demand ourselves necessarily it would be perfect. We should always be striving to that. But what we can do 
with our children is expect holiness and obedience. 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we as Christians are chosen. We are holy. We are set apart for God's own possession. That's a powerful, powerful thought. And if you tell your kids, you are part of something special here. You're set apart. You're holy. So act like it even when you're typing something with your thumbs on a tiny keyboard. You're chosen. You're set apart. You're holy. That can make a difference. We are God's people. We have been called out of this darkness. Your kids need to hear you say those things. The last point that I have this morning is realize that they are just kids. We're gonna a lot of, we've made a lot of mistakes. If you think about back in your life, if you go backwards in your life and you think about all the mistakes that you've made, you can think, well, yeah, my kids are going to make some mistakes. And they're going to make some mistakes with technology as well. Why is that? It's not because you haven't taught them necessarily. It's not because you haven't done your job. But it's because they're kids. If you can think about it, parents and grandparents, you, you haven't been a kid. You probably haven't been a kid for a long, long time. And we think about, we, we miss some of those things and we forget what it's like. It's kind of like having toddlers and changing diapers. And when that goes away, it feels like a hundred years ago that I was changing diapers. When in fact I have a six-year-old and I was probably changing diapers for three or four years ago. But I have forgotten all about that. And we forget sometimes as adults what it's like to be a kid. I think we can forget how easily swayed kids are. They don't have the experience and the knowledge. They're not many adults until they get to be much older. But if they're older, especially when they are older, I would encourage you to listen to them. I know they're not adults yet. I know they're still your kids, but that's one of the most important things that we should listen to them. Because if we're not listening to them, they're going to go find somebody on their screens who will. And again, we want our godly influence to supersede all others. I think about what, and it's kind of funny, but I think about what Moses wrote about in Genesis 37 verse 2 about Joseph. He began the story of Joseph and all the foolish things Joseph did that led to him to being put into a pit and sold into slavery, all the things that he did up to that point, he begins the story and says, Joseph being 17 years old. And I find that really funny. We know Moses was probably marking history. He probably wasn't making a joke. But he prefaced the entire story of Joseph by saying, Have you ever done anything really smart when you were 17 years old? And again, we need to remember that our kids need our guidance. No 17-year-old has made good decisions. Moses is saying exhibit A here. We cannot expect our children to be perfect. We cannot expect them to know right versus wrong unless we teach them and help them learn from their mistakes. Part of the pressure of being a young person with a screen today is the constant pressure to connect. The constant pressure to communicate, to be in the know, to, to not have the fear of missing out, to keep up with the memes and the happenings and all those different things. And you know what I've heard from teens over and over again that I have talked to in all these digital parenting workshops over the last 10 years? It's been a combination of something like these two statements. Number one, I wish my parents would just listen to me. I wish they wouldn't think I was guilty before proven innocent. 
And number two, sometimes I wish my mom and dad would just take away my phone. They would just give me a reason to take it away. That's telling. Our kids need breaks. They need to be able to throw you under the bus, that proverbial bust, and tell their friends, yeah, my parents took my phone away. They told me to leave it at home for soccer practice, all those different things. Give your kids a chance to connect. And lastly, I want to leave you with something positive this morning. I truly believe that the kids that we're seeing in this generation, 21 years old and younger, I truly believe that this millennial generation that we make fun of so often is going to be the greatest church or the greatest generation that the church has ever seen if we can guide them in the proper way. And as parents, we need to be constantly thinking about ways that we can help our kids navigate not just life, but the digital world so that they can grow up to be responsible digital citizens. But most importantly, we need to be able to teach them that they need to be holy members of God's kingdom first. God specifically chose you, parents, to parent those children that you have. He picked you. He said, this person, this mom, this dad is specifically, specifically suited to parent this child. And I know exactly that they will do that things. And as we progress in this kind of technology, godly parenting is going to become more important, not less. A lot of decisions for us are already made. As if we profess to be a Christ follower, if we say that I follow Jesus and I am a Christian, then a lot of decisions for us are already made from God's Word. And this morning you have a chance. This morning you have a chance to turn things around. You have a chance to make things right in your life, to get back on that right path. If you need forgiveness, if you need prayers of the church, you can come forward you can talk to one of the shepherds, the elders here. You can do those things. If you want to become a Christian this morning, don't wait. To say that you believe in Jesus Christ and you want to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you can say that this morning and you can make that decision. Let's go out. Let's have a great rest of our Sunday. But let us stand as we sing as the invitation of the Lord's is here.